Welcome to the Carter Report and thanks for joining us. Our topic today is a sensational one. The United States of America in Bible prophecy and the coming world boycott. We are going to tell you in the next three programs about the day in America when church and state are going to join together and enforce religious laws. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. Now tonight we're going to talk about how the mark of the beast is going to be enforced. And we are going to show you exactly what the Bible says about the last great movements and where this great land, the United States of America, fits into Bible prophecy. I would like you to take a copy of the scriptures, please, and turn over here with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter, let's see now, Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14 and verse 9. Are you ready to go? Hey, are you ready to go? Good, thank you. The Bible says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image. Now, before we go any further, you notice that this is not a sectarian message. The Bible says, If anyone. The KJV says, If any man worships the beast. The Bible says, If any man worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead, he will drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Anyone, my friend, includes anyone here. That anyone includes the Roman Catholics, does it not? It includes, does it include the Baptists? Does it include the Pentecostals? Does it include the Presbyterians? Does it include the Adventists? My friend, it includes any man. It includes the communists. It includes the sectarian people. It includes the atheists. The Bible says, if any man. I want you to know tonight that this message is directed to you. This is not a sectarian message. This is not a message that belongs to one church. This is a message, my friend, for any man, every man in the world. Keep reading with me, please. Is this microphone working okay? Yeah. It's working okay. It seems to be going up and down. Verse 9. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone, if any man worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. My, what strong language. And verse, come down to verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast 
and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name and then in complete contrast it says here is the patience of the saints here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus the Bible says and we talked about this last night the Bible says that in the last days there are going to be when Jesus comes two great classes there is going to be a tremendously large class, my friend, of people who go the easy road. People, my friend, who are conformists and people who go with the crowd. And the Bible says those people are going to worship the beast. And the vast majority of men and women, my friend, they are going to get the mark of the beast. What about you? They're going to get the mark of the beast. And the Bible says they are going to get the mark of the beast because they do not love Jesus Christ with all their hearts. You see, in contrast, God is going to have a people, the Bible says, who keep the commandments. Nobody keeps the commandments to be saved. Did you hear that? Nobody keeps the commandments to be saved. You cannot be saved by the commandments. But I want to tell you folks something tonight. When a man is saved by the grace of God and when he loves Jesus Christ, he will love to keep the commandments of God. You see? Listen. This, this idea that says, accept Jesus Christ, just make a decision tonight for Jesus and then go out and break the commandments of God and do what you like. That, my friend, is not the religion of the Bible. That is the religion of the Antichrist himself. The Bible says that in the last days, God is going to have a people who love him so much that they would rather die than break the least of the commandments of God. And that includes the fourth commandment, which says, remember the Sabbath day. Now, my friend, the great issue of the ages is now upon us, and we are going to see tonight that we are living at the most critical, the most momentous time in the history of the world and particularly the history of America. And I'm going to tell you tonight that already right here tonight there are great religious movements that are going to bring about the final conflict and which is going to, my friend, it's going to take the whole wide world by surprise because people have not studied the scriptures and because they've gone according to their feelings and not according to faith in the word of God. And tonight we haven't come here to be entertained. We have come here tonight as a group of Christians because we want to know what the Word of God says. And we have come here tonight, my friend, on a Saturday night of all times to seek and to understand the meaning of the Scriptures. That's why we're here tonight. That's why you're here tonight. And tonight we're going to talk about the beast. We are going to talk about the mark of the beast. And we are going to talk about the image of the beast. And we are going to talk about the coming world boycott when in America no man will be allowed to buy or sell unless he gets the mark of the beast. Now, please, let's have some revision. Let us notice, firstly, the identification marks of the beast. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. 
Revelation, the 13th chapter, and also verse 1, and we will have some revision for the people who missed out last night. Revelation 13, verse 1, the Bible says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea. That word sea is significant. Do you know why? Maybe I should show you now, friend. Come over. Don't lose the place. Put your finger there. Come to Revelation 17 and verse 15. The sea is highly symbolic in Bible prophecy. It is crucial to our understanding of the prophecy. Revelation 17 and verse 15. And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. In Bible prophecy, my friend, the sea represents the peoples of the earth. And the Bible says that the first beast of Revelation comes up out of the sea because the great power of Rome arose from the old world where the peoples of the earth were congregated. That is important. I want to repeat that. In Bible prophecy, the sea is symbolic of the peoples of the earth, the old world, Europe and Asia. And this great beast, which is symbolic, of course, of the great church of Rome, arises from the sea, the peoples of the earth. Is that plain? Now, come on. Is it plain? I want some feedback tonight, and I want you folk to, to come with me and talk back to me. Uh, come now to Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, coming up out of the peoples of the earth, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads the name of blasphemy. Now, friend, in Bible prophecy, a beast represents a king, a state, or a kingdom. Let us notice in revision last night who the beast is. And we already know, but let us go through it just for the, for the sake of revision, to bring it back to our minds. Notice verse... Verse 5, the Bible says, And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. This is a power which would say, We hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty. This is the beast power, my friend, that would say, He has the power to forgive your sins when only Jesus Christ is that power. The Bible says that the beast power would put himself in the very place of God and assume the prerogatives that only Jesus Christ has. Then the Bible says, keep reading with me, He was given authority to continue for 42 months, or 1260 days, or according to Bible prophecy, 1260 years. And we have discovered in these meetings on the Antichrist, and on the mark of the beast, it was the great system of Rome, ecclesiastical Rome, the great church of Rome that became a world power in the year 538 AD by the decree of the Emperor Justinian that proclaimed the Pope 
the head of the churches, the definer of doctrine, the corrector of heretics in 538. That is when she became a world power. And if you add 1260 years on to 538, my friend, it brings you through to 1798. And in 1798, General Berthier, one of the generals of Napoleon Bonaparte, marched down into Rome and took the Pope prisoner. And the world said, Rome has received a deadly wound. Listen. In these meetings, my Christian friends, we are not dealing with religious emotionalism. You and I in these meetings are dealing with the very facts of history. We are not speculating in these meetings, my friend. There is only one great power in the world that fulfills all the specifications of the prophecy, and that is Rome. The Word of God says it. This is not my idea, and I want to say to you tonight, this was once the doctrine of all of the great churches in America. This is what was believed by the Pilgrim Fathers. This is what was taught by every Baptist minister, by every Presbyterian minister, by every Lutheran minister. This is what Martin Luther taught. This is what John Wesley believed. And this is what we believe tonight. We are standing tonight in the company of the greatest preachers that this world has ever seen. We are not walking, my friend, on fresh territory. We are simply reviving the great truths that made America, America. Did you know that? Now I tell you, this afternoon I took out a book on American history. And I love American history. And I read again the pages, my friend, that I've re read on many occasions concerning the founding of this great nation. And the reason America is America is because the Pilgrim Fathers left the battered and bloodied shores of old England and came across to this land because they wanted to get away from the persecution of the Church of Rome. That's the reason. That's why they came here. Because they wanted a church without a pope and a state without a king. And that is the greatness of America, and you and I ought never to forget it. Come down a little further, verse 7. You know, the identification marks are so plain, they are so powerful, that anybody with any knowledge of history has to say, Amen. Verse 7, it was granted to him, that is, this great church, to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. The Bible says that this great power would have universal sway, and so he did during the 1260 years. And the Bible says that this great church would wear out the saints of the Most High and, and persecute the people of God. I was reading recently, my friend, about a team of men engineers who were putting a railway cutting through a mountain range in Spain. 
which of course has been for more than a thousand years a bastion of Rome. And as they were cutting through the hills, they came upon mile after mile of charred bones and thumbscrews. This is where the Inquisition had done its work in Spain. Why is America here? Because America, my friend, was founded by people who were tired of breathing the air of oppression. That's why. The Pilgrim Fathers said, we want to breathe free air. And firstly, they left the shores of England, and as you know better than I, they went across to Holland. And there they found things much better in Holland than they did in their own native country. But things closed up for them somewhat in Holland and they said, let us go to the new world. And they came to the new world because of these Bible prophecies. Now, read on with me, please, in the prophecy. Verse, let me see. Verse 1. No, come down to verse 2. We've read verse 1. Verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. This beast is made up of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. He speaks the doctrine of the Babylonians, not the doctrine of Jerusalem. The Bible says... The dragon gave him his power, his throne, his great authority. That is very, very important because the Bible says if we are on course, the Bible says that this great church would get his power, his authority, his dominion, even his throne from the dragon. You see that? Now, if you come to Revelation 12, we are told who the dragon is. Notice Revelation 12, please. Verses 1 and onwards. And we will now identify the dragon. And we want you to see it. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun. That is the church of the living God. Verse 2. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. She's giving birth to Jesus. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. My friend, as the baby is about to come into the world, born by God's church, standing there in opposition to the birth of Jesus is the great red dragon. And this dragon gives his authority and his throne to the church. Now notice who the dragon is. Verse 4. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. Who is this? Why, this is Satan, the Antichrist himself. Threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Pray tell me, friend. 
Who is this little baby that is born here of the woman? Who is the little baby, my friend, who is caught up to the very throne of God and who is destined to rule the nations with a rod of iron? That is Jesus Christ. And so here is the scenario. Here is the church bringing Jesus into the world. And as Jesus comes into the world, there is the great red dragon. And the dragon primarily is Satan. But listen to me, my American friends. Satan works through earthly powers. Who, my friend, who tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby? Who put him on the cross? Who were they? Pagan Rome, my friend. Not papal Rome, of course. Pagan Rome. They were the Roman soldiers who went down under Herod, uh, Herod the Great who tried to snuff out the life of Jesus when he was a little baby. You know that. And so, while primarily the dragon is Satan, Satan, my friend, works through earthly powers and the dragon of Revelation 12 is pagan Rome. Now the Bible says that pagan Rome will give to this church its throne, its dominion, and its great authority. Now tonight, I turn to the pages of history, and I say, is it true that the papacy received her throne her dominion, her authority from pagan Rome. And my friend, I turn to the historian and I am told that the popes are sitting in the very thrones of the Caesars. Did you know that the official title of the Caesars was Pontifex Maximus and that is the very title of the Pope of Rome? The Bible says the dragon, pagan Rome, gave to this church the throne, the seat, the kingdom, the authority, and the glory. There is not one iota of evidence to suggest that there could be any other power that fulfills the specifications of the prophecy. The beast, my friend, is Rome. Now listen, my Protestant friends, I'm going to tell you something. And this will shock you, but you folks should be shock-proof by now. You ready for this? You ready? Well, I hope you are. Listen, there is an interpretation of prophecy today which is called futurism. Futurism says that the Antichrist is a power still to come. That is believed today by 95% of Protestants and Roman Catholics. The biggest seller in the United States in Bible prophecy is a book called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey that is based fully on the doctrine of futurism. That is believed by almost every Christian. You ready for the bombshell? Fut and this is an historical fact. Futurism did not arise in the Protestant churches of North America. Futurism did not come from the Baptists or the Pentecostals or the Methodists. Not at all. Those people believed in the historical interpretation of prophecy like you're hearing in these meetings. 
Futurism was devised by the Jesuits in the councils of Rome. You say, I can't believe it. I want to tell you, you'd better believe it. When Martin Luther and those great preachers in the Reformation started to preach the things that I am preaching in these meetings, Rome, my friend, was shaken. And the crown was almost shaken off the Pope's head and he called together the greatest scholars in the world. And those great scholars are the priests of the Jesuit order. And he said, we must devise a new system to take the spotlight off us. He said, I don't care what you do, but get the spotlight off us. And the Jesuit priests devised the system of futurism and for the last 150 years they have been feeding it into the great Protestant churches. Today Protestantism, my friend, is no longer preaching these things because they have accepted the doctrine of the Jesuits. And that is why, my Christian friend, you don't hear these things basically taught anymore in America or in Australia or in England. I want to tell you tonight, listen to me, I want to tell you tonight, it is time that you and I return to the great truth that made America the nation she is. And she wasn't made a great nation by the Jesuits. America was made a great nation, my friend, by the Pilgrim Fathers and by those people who believed in the whole of the Word of God.